Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. Another awesome show this week. And uh, this is a young man on the show this week that I really admire. And his familial story fascinates me. Imagine if your grandfather was the orchestrator, the architect of one of the great NFL dynasties. And imagine if your father was one of the greatest songwriters in Nashville, Tennessee. And imagine if your brother and best friend was a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And imagine if all of those things were true and you happen to be an up-and-coming star in country music yourself who basically took a flyer on yourself and said, okay, I've signed with this label, they gave me a look, they gave me an opportunity, but it's not the right opportunity. I don't have the chance to record, write, perform, project, and be what I am. And so I'm out. And I'm going to go do it my own way. And I'm going to go on my own. Well, that's Tucker Bethard's story. And I can't wait for you guys to hear him tell that story. It's interesting to me in interviewing Tucker whom I've known for several years now. He's still a very young man, uh, 23 maybe, early 20s. And uh, he has a very unique perspective on things and a vulnerability that you don't see very often in someone that young. But his ability to articulate that vulnerability is rare. And To me, the greatest artists, and it doesn't matter what genre of art you're discussing, it is what, you know, whether it's music, whether it's traditional writing, whether it's dance, whatever it is, vulnerable artists are the great artists. And if you want to be really, really good and really resonant, then that vulnerability really uh, can separate you from the rest. And Tucker has that ability. Um, He has a brand new album out. It's called Nobody's Everything. It just was released on November 30th. It's tremendous. Tucker and his group gave me an advanced copy, and it's very, very good. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it, and I can't wait for you guys to hear from Tucker about the process and the decision-making and how difficult all of that can be and what it's like to grow up in a family like the one I just mentioned. What a tremendous family. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by them and by their, their bond. I mean, they're so close. And so you're going to be really filled up by this conversation. You're going to learn a lot about country music too. But before we get to Tucker, I mean, look, I know those Bethard boys love them some bacon. Everybody loves bacon. And guess what, bacon lovers? With every pack of Smithfield bacon you purchase, you can enter for a chance to win bacon for life. I didn't stutter. You heard me right. Bacon for life. All the slow-smoked, crispy happiness you can handle. Wake up, boom, there's a bacon-filled breakfast. You need lunch during that big game? Bacon. And dinner, bedtime snack, any time of the day. I don't even need to say it, but I will anyway. Bacon. You can baconify anything you like. S'mores, pancakes, a regular old BLT made with a mountain of Smithfield bacon. There's no gimmicks, no tricks, just a whole lot of Smithfield bacon for life and for the win. The chance to win it is yours right now. And look, guys, this thing's coming to an end. It ends on December 31st. 
you got a couple more weeks, so go to your local grocery store, look for specially marked packages of Smithfield bacon. You'll see the Bacon for Life insignia logo right there on the package. Open up that package. There'll be a code inside, and go to smithfield.com slash baconforlife to enter. Smithfield.com slash baconforlife, all the details you need. Flavor hails from Smithfield. Again, guys, this thing ends December 31st. No purchase is necessary. Go to smithfield.com slash bacon for life to enter and for free entry instructions. Now, as I said earlier, you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Tucker Bethard, the young country music star with a brand new album out. Here he is, Tucker Bethard. All right, Tucker, let's start with your family. For those of you listening who may not know about Tucker's family, it's ridiculous. So Tucker is this young, up-and-coming country music artist with a song that nearly made it to number one a couple years ago. His brother, CJ, plays quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. His daddy, Casey, is one of the greatest songwriters in Nashville, Tennessee, who ever breathed. And his grandfather, Bobby, was the famous Hall of Fame architect of the Washington Redskins' Joe Gibbs-era dominant Super Bowl championship teams. So there you go, America. Uh, the, the, the Bethards haven't achieved very much in life. Um, so, uh, Tucker, I just want to start with sports. This is a very fundamental question because I know that sports have been so integral within your family. So I want to hear you tell me, how have sports impacted your life? Honestly, they kind of shaped my whole life to some extent and shaped like who I am as a person. I think uh, especially... I think I think any sports is, is any sports, but for me, football and uh, baseball, but specifically football, it taught me a lot about just life in general. And I think it prepares like it really is like a molder of men and whatnot. Like being in the music business and stuff, it kind of there's so many similarities and so many things that football teaches you about life. It goes beyond just the game and. Um, you know, how to work with the team, how to, you know, tough it out and two-a-day practice and, and, and stuff like that. It, and not only that, I, I think in, in the real world, no matter what you're doing, to having a strive to, you know, almost like a competitive edge, just strive to be to be the best at whatever you do is um, kind of how, how it works in any occupation, I, I feel like. And um, I don't know, I'm I really, really blessed to be able to say – I grew up with such a sports-driven and football-driven family to kind of put me in that whole aspect of, of learning all the things that sports can teach you about. And, and um, it just really goes beyond the game. Sports do it. It really translates into whenever you're done playing sports as well. Most of us as little boys would have severed limbs to have the opportunity even to enter an NFL facility. You and your brothers ran around tackling dummies and stuff. Like, what did y'all do? <laughs> Man, it was honestly, it's kind of like going to Disneyland for that was kind of our Disneyland. I mean, we, we didn't get to like go there whenever we wanted, but whenever we visit my grandpa specifically when he was with the Falcons, um, when Michael Vick was in his prime and everything, um, we, going out there and just kind of hanging out and we just got to roam around and, you know, meet the players and, and 
the coolest thing for us was getting to snag some free gear from from their <laughs> facilities and stuff. And it was like a Disneyland for for us and my brothers. Everything about it, we thought it was, it was so cool and just really special time there. What did it mean to your family to see your grandfather acknowledged as a Hall of Famer? It meant everything to us. Um, as far as like our, our family goes, it, it kind of hits beyond just the achievement aspect of it, of, of his achievements and success and, and his general managing career. It, it kind of meant more to us knowing the kind of guy he is and just growing up with him. And obviously nobody's going to know him like like we do, but um, just as a person in general, he, he's the most deserving person to be inducted in, in my my opinion it's um it really goes beyond like you started off before you know it goes beyond the game you know the the impact he's made in our lives and, and his kids lives and his grandchildren's life it, it um just as a person and whatnot it speaks volumes to who he is and and it so it just meant meant a lot more than just getting recognized for his you know achievements in his general managing career it, it for us it, it was he deserved it just as the, let alone just the person he is you know to the point that you wrote a song about it i mean it was yeah you, know, you write you write this song real world hall of fame and it so emotionally captures his impact on you as a young man and your family and what was the inspiration for that is it exactly what you're talking about yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it kind of put in perspective, you know, like realizing that, man, it's everyone kind of plays a certain certain role, and 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 it's it's more so. Yes, he was a general manager and, and really successful and whatnot. But man, there's there's people I believe all across the world, really, that the men and women who serve overseas, the the law enforcement, the the steel workers, the farmers, you know, all, all these people, the, the mothers, the single moms, the, they, they all play a part in shaping the people they're around and, and serving the others. And, and that it made me realize that those people are just as worthy of being noticed for their achievements in, in their life. And that's kind of seeing my grandpa get publicity for his just achievements that's awesome, and, and yes, he's done amazing things. But but for me, it is more so the things that behind the scenes that that he he does that meant the most. And, and realize that you know there's there's people all across the all across the world that are that are doing things that probably are just as deserving as being in somebody's hall of fame as well. We typically aren't allowed to play, sing, or read songs. But since I'm talking to the person that wrote the words, I'm going to just do it anyway. I mean, you <laughs> guys, you guys gotta, yeah, ain't nobody in the world more proud than little old me. But even if the folks who made that call never would have called his name, it wouldn't change that spot he's got on the wall in my real world Hall of Fame. The whole world ain't got to know your name. I mean, that is that is all I can't imagine how it must have made him feel. Everybody would love to have that written about them, especially with with a life's work that has been celebrated professionally 
Nothing is more important than making sure that you're celebrated personally by the people you love and helped rear. That's definitely kind of the definition of like true success in, in my my opinion. I mean, you know, yeah, there's certain occupations that that are naturally going to draw more attention and get more credit for um, achievements and whatnot. But but there's also a whole bunch of people behind the scenes, you know, that make the whole world go round, really. And um, you know, just kind of shouting out those people that don't get the attention that you know they deserve as much. What's it been like to watch CJ do so well in the NFL? It's been fun. It's it's uh, I mean, it makes the games a heck of a lot more fun <laughs> to watch, and, and kind of gave gave me a whole new perspective on what it means to be a really true fan of a team. I personally think he's been he's been playing his butt off, and um, he's learned a lot, and and playing tough and playing hard, and really happy to see him do what he's doing, and. And, uh, yeah, it's also stressful at the same time watching. It's a lot of pressure being an NFL quarterback. I mean, I can't even imagine. And it's not an easy, easy job. So with any NFL quarterback, there's or any NFL player, really, there's got to be, I'm sure, a lot of stress and whatnot. So uh, I feel for him on that end. But overall, you know, it's it's just awesome to see his dream his dreams come true. I mean, growing up with him, that was always, always what he wanted to do, and I couldn't be happier for him. People may not know why you chose music. Why'd you choose music? I always knew music was what I wanted to do. Honestly, I mean, I think with like music, it's kind of it's one of those things where like you kind of have to be like born with it and then have a specific passion for it to where like you're either gonna succeed in it or die trying and and that's honestly what has always been in my heart and, and I've always done it and, and loved it more um it just kind of got to the time in my life where I was just ready to take it on like dive in full 100 percent and college and, and school has never really been my thing and and um so I, I don't know I just felt like I was just ready to to do what I love full-time, pretty much. A couple years ago, I had the great opportunity, uh, for those of you listening, uh, I'm close with the NASCAR driver, Casey Kane, and I recruited Tucker and his daddy, Casey, to come over to Charlotte and hang with us for an evening for a charity event Casey was doing. It was so cool to watch your relationship with your father on that stage and to hear him discuss raising you guys and what all that entailed, and like, are, are these are these kids going to make it? Like, am I doing this right? And uh, just to see the pride in your talent, to see the pride in his face, uh, inspired me as a father. What, what's your relationship like with a father who's just so damn accomplished? He raised us in the sense of, you know, nobody's going to hand you anything. So I remember, like, the first thing he told me um, – when I decided I want to do music full time, he, he said, I'm not going to go out of my way to, to try to, to help you out as far as, you know, getting there uh, or, you know, I'm not going to hand you anything or whatever. And, and I wouldn't, I didn't want to, but he said, uh, so you better be comfortable with if you end up spending, you know, your whole career playing for 10 people and, and a little local bar for the rest of, rest of your life. You know, if, if you can, if you can say that you're okay with that, 
then go for it. And so that, that kind of put in perspective, like he never wanted to implement anything or never wanted to push us to anything. But I think, I think just growing up around successful people who work hard, it does bleed off on you. And, and the cliche saying, you know, surround yourself with success. It'll make you work harder for that. And, and it really is true. And that's kind of just how our whole family kind of works. You know, I know a lot of, a lot of people can easily look at me, oh, yeah, of course, you know, they're, they're, they're handed this or that. But it's like at the end of the day, that's not, that's not even close to the case. And you got to pull your own weight and getting to a spot where you can make music a career, getting to the spot where you can, you know, play in the NFL and whatnot. It's, it's really more so just about surrounding yourself with, with people who work hard and it makes you want to work just as hard. And there's also a lot of truth in Apple doesn't fall off from the tree, so mm-hmm. so I mean that's kind of sports and and music has always been in you know my my blood and my family's blood, so it's kind of kind of just what from a very young age started working on and 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 dream of doing. It's one thing to have opportunity, and anybody who has a father or a relative that has penetrated a certain industry is going to probably have opportunity based on that the respect for that relative. But people can lead you to water, right? They can't make you drink. Exactly. Pe- people can give you opportunity, but that doesn't mean you're going to make it. Once opportunity is there, it's up to you to kick the damn door in. Sustenance is a personal decision. Just so you guys listen and understand how, how great – Tucker's father is at writing songs. I just want to run through a couple of these. All right. Trace Atkins, Just Fishing. He's Mine, Rodney Atkins. Boys of Fall, Kenny Chesney. Comeback song, Darius Rucker. Way Out Here, Josh Thompson. One of the greatest songs written in the last 20 years, in my opinion. I love that song. Don't Blink, Kenny Chesney. Love that song. On and on and on. You can go on and on. And that's before we even get into my buddy Church. All right. Casey wrote like Jesus does. And Casey wrote Homeboy. And that's where I'm going with this next question. Y'all need to understand that Tucker and CJ played a pivotal role in that song even being penned. I want you to tell the story because it's a damn good story. I think it definitely kind of got far-fetched and whatnot. And as a songwriter, you know, you, you kind of run with an idea and form a song around just a, a small idea that sparked word, it even. but um one word do what even one word can spur an idea to write yeah totally totally so i mean it, it, that's kind of where it came from i mean a lot of a lot of what is actually being said in the song isn't 100 percent accurate but it was the idea did spark from me and my older brother growing up um i was kind of kind of tended to stray off and, and do my own thing and, and get in, uh, you know, just got into some trouble and, and, you know, I don't know, I always find myself in a mess more than, more than <laughs> the other brothers. And, uh, my older brother was also always, cause me and, me and CJ are really close. So we always had each other's back and, um, he would always look out for me and, and, you know, would be concerned about me and, and what I'm getting into and whatnot. So that's kind of where my dad got the inspiration seeing that. And um, the whole story is uh, written, you know, 
not to detail specifically, but the idea and the concept of an older brother, you know, looking out and being concerned for a, for a younger brother, that, that whole concept was inspired by myself and my older brother I and probably that. my little brother too. So you have a debut album coming out and congratulations on that. It will release in a couple Thanks. of days from when you and I are talking, when this podcast posts, the record will already be released uh, for a couple of days, maybe a week. What's this moment like for you to to have that thing on shelves and in people's phones and out there to be consumed? Honestly, it's like the, it's the most exciting thing for me because the whole journey getting to this point took a lot of maturing and a lot of it, it was it was kind of honestly it, it was it was a fight to get to this point. I mean, I was signed with a with a label that got ugly and they, I wasn't getting the complete creative freedom that I felt like I, I needed because I'm really passionate about what I what I have to say and, and the music that I make. So it uh it's just been a lot of ups and downs and and a lot of lows and highs and whatnot up until this point and finally I decided to um after two or three years of grinding on the road and still not having the freedom to put out an album i decided to walk away from the deal i had and um just so i could have my songs and, and be able to record them the way that i felt they needed to and be able to say what i wanted to say and it was a pretty big leap of faith but at this at the same time i mean there was no other option for me i mean i at the end of the day, I, I got to be who I am. And, and if that's, I'm not going to be someone I'm not just to, you know, have a label try to get me rich or famous or whatnot. I'd rather, I'd rather is, just make this, the music that I felt was right. This is not new. I've had this conversation with so many artists. Why? Why, why was no album <clears throat> released? It's weird. It, it's, it's, the music business is, uh, Honestly, I really don't believe anyone can really know what the music business is like until you're in it, really. I mean, there's no there's no preparing someone for it. I mean, even with my dad being in the music business, like, there's nothing he could have done to prepare me for, for when I, my experience with it and whatnot. So it's a lot of suit and tie trying to control art. And then I think now it's getting to the point to where the business people they want to control the artist so much so they're more so just concerned about signing people who who will do whatever they want which there's a lot of people that really don't qualify as like artists that are being signed just because they can push and, and do whatever a label wants them to do and and for me that, that's just not i'm not comfortable with that i mean i, I know who i am i know what i want to say and i, and I play every instrument so i know what i want to record on the songs and i know a lot of people talk about you know complaining about you know freedom or they they already said label did this or that but at the end of the day i mean not a lot of them are actually walking the walk to actually stand up for what they believe in and um so i think i I don't know i think i think that's a lot of people want to label me it's just some like rebel outcast like punk or whatever but at the end of the day it's not trying to rebel just to rebel it's a common thing in the music business like you like you're saying it's just i actually mean it 100 percent when i say like, i'm not gonna sell out just for 
for fame or success or whatever like that. So I, I guess I just walk the walk, and that now so that just stands out more to people. So then, how do you describe the challenge for the vast majority of singers or aspiring artists in Nashville, Tennessee, to be the artist you want to be versus the artist you have to be? A lot of people in the business, they haven't heard it before. They haven't been proven that something will work. They shy away from it. So there's a lot of just super talented artists and, and a lot of just talented people out there that aren't qualifying, that aren't sounding exactly like something that's being produced in on the mainstream aspect. So a lot of times the business will shy away or be scared to actually pull a trigger on one or someone like that, or or they'll recognize that the person is talented, but then and, and tell you what you want to hear, and then you actually sign, and then it's like uh, everything kind of changes. I can't wait to hear this record. Uh, you know, looking at some of the guys you wrote with, uh, the Isbell boys, who I love. Jonathan Singleton. Yeah, they're great. Who is just an animal, animal with a pen. David Lee Murphy, on and on. Your old man. Uh, what, how would you describe your writing process? It's got to be triggered by something I actually feel. I can't just write about something that doesn't really do anything for me. That's one thing. A lot of like the songwriters in Nashville, you know, there's so many great ones, like the ones that I'm fortunate enough to to written with some of this album with. And um, at the end of the day, like they, they can only, I think it's on the artist to be the kind of the captain of, of their own ship and have the writers, you know, work around with you because because they're they're such great writers they'll 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 write whatever and and do it good but if the artist isn't the one stating what they want and like what you know what what they're going for so then it's kind of like it's it's on the artist to to ask like the artists are the ones that should be driving the ship and so for me like I always like to go in with something I already started by myself or go in with an idea that I've already worked on by myself. So it's a hundred percent me and it's just them helping something like helping me be me instead of them just writing something without me letting them know who I am and whatnot, if that makes sense. It's, um, makes perfect it's sense. kind of tricky to explain, but, um, it's actually pretty, I mean, it, it, my job, believe it or not. Because if I'm, <laughs> yeah. going to do, if I'm going gonna... to do a feature on somebody, right, I want mm-hmm. to go. I want to go to where that person is, and I want to immerse myself in that person's story. And I want to be involved in writing that person's story. If I'm not immersed in that, then it's somebody else handing me someone else's story. <laughs> exactly. It's the same exact thing. It's like, you know, I, I believe music and songwriting for me, like I... I it's about being real and, and, and expressing what you want to express. So you have to let them know what what it is you're feeling, what you're working on. You know, you can't have someone else, you know, write your own story without any kind of guidance. Ultimately, it's your name on the door, Tucker. Your name's exactly. on the record. Right? Their name's in the credits. Your name's on the record. And that's the way I, <laughs> that's the way I view it, too. My face is on that, on that box every Saturday. Um, right. All right. I've already kept you too long, uh, but I do want to get one last thing on this album. What are your hopes for this record? Like, what, how do you define success with it? Honestly, I'm fortunate enough to to be doing doing it long enough 
to be grinding on the road um, for the past three years and, and working my tail off to where luckily, even despite going three years without having really any material out, still started a really, really loyal and, and hardcore fan base. So it's a lot of more so just like, I just want myself to be understood through this record, but also to give, you know, the fans who've been waiting uh, for such a long time and supporting me and having my back through, through everything about giving, giving them what they've been, you know, waiting for. And honestly, the rest, in my opinion, is that's just in God's hand. You know, that's, I, I feel like that's, that's all I can do is, is utilize the gift that God gave me and, and, and do my part. And, you know, whatever happens from there, hopefully it reaches out to as many people as, as possible and, and blows up. But that's something that I had out of my control. So I try not to stress too much about it. And, um, and I am, I am fortunate to where <clears throat> after taking a step back and making this album independently, how I wanted to express myself like that. I'm very fortunate to have a couple big offers, record deals come in and are on the table. So I will, for the second half that'll come out in the beginning of next year, I'll, I'll probably have, I'll probably That'd sign awesome. something by then. Awesome. But um, right now it's just more so about just getting, getting the music out and, and just letting, seeing what happens. All right. I got to ask one more. You intrigued me. Uh, that you hope people you hope people will understand you better through this record. What do you want people to understand about you? I think just just who I am as a person. Um, because I've always been more introverted and kind of quiet. That's really how I fell in love with music in the first place and songwriting in the first place was because it, it kind of gave me an outlet to express myself. And I think that is my main voice of that's like kind of my main identity. So. That's probably where a lot of the conflicts in the past come from, you know, getting pushed and pulled and trying to, to compromise this or that about my art is like pretty much watering down truth to who I am, which which isn't, isn't comfortable with me. So, but with this album, it's 100% everything I want to say, every, you know, and every, it's just 100% me. So I don't, I don't know, maybe I think it's just wanting, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but getting my voice out there and, and and expressing myself and for people to understand because at the same time i also know i'm not the only one who who deals with the same emotions or feels the same about certain things you know so it's cool to be able to you know if, if, you, if you're as real and as true to yourself as possible then that's how you're the most relatable with people and actually can actually make an impact in other people's lives i, I believe so I think it just goes along those lines of, you know, just just being able to to 100% express who I am and and you know be able to relate to people. Well, I love it, and I've said to you before that I feel like vulnerability in songwriting, in regular writing, in life is what is genuine and relatable. And I am such a huge fan of your talent. Um, I, it took some serious guts to walk away from Big Machine and. Uh, I'm just a huge fan of what you do and your entire family. You guys are such wonderful people. So thank you for hanging out. Good luck with this record, and you let me know what I can do to help you with it. I, I, mean, appreciate, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for thanks for everything. Thanks for the support and having my back. Man. It means, means a lot to me.
Have a great day, brother. Appreciate you. Ah, uh, you too. Thanks, Marty. What great perspective from a guy who's experienced so much so quickly. So I want to touch on the perspective Tucker gave on going your own way. Uh, it fascinates me because in Nashville, it's really hard to do that. There are so many different voices at these monstrous record labels who shape what the artist is. And a lot of times artists get lost in that. The genuine passion for a certain brand of music and a certain artistic license gets lost in the machine. And when someone says, the hell with the machine, I'm going to go be my own machine, it's real gutsy. It's real, real ballsy. And Tucker decided, look, man, I don't feel like I am, I am not getting the fulfillment that I need to get as an artist. So I'm going to go try it over here. And I want him to succeed. I, I want him to succeed so much. So y'all go buy that record. Go check out Tucker's work. Uh, you won't be disappointed. He's uh, just has a very unique perspective for a, an artist so young and someone who was shaped in such an amazing way again by a fame, a, a, a hall of fame grandfather. And wasn't that cool listening to him discuss that no matter what happened with his grandfather, Bobby Bethard in football, you remove all that, the influence of the man on his grandchildren, on his grandsons is the legacy as far as Tucker and CJ are concerned. I love that. I love when you learn that these guys who are so wildly successful professionally took time because time is our most precious resource. It's the one thing you can't manufacture and it's the one thing you can't give back. And I love to hear uh, when young men feel that time. I'd give anything to have some more time with some of my family members. So I just, I really enjoyed that conversation with him. And I really enjoy his record. Y'all should check it out. Uh, before we move on in the show, uh, I want to quickly explain why there was no podcast last week. That's the first time I've missed one. And the reason is because I was in Columbus, Ohio prior to the Big Ten Championship. And uh, shoot, for that matter, before the Michigan game. Uh, I was up there and did the Michigan game, came home for a couple days, Went right back up there to do a feature on Dwayne Haskins. And then I came home for a day. And then I went to Indianapolis for two days. And after the Big Ten Championship game, we drove through the night to Columbus, Ohio, because I had the Buckeyes for the selection show uh, for the college football playoff. So I did that. And I came home late, really late that night, Sunday night after the show. And... Two days later, I get up and learned that Urban Meyer had decided to announce his retirement following the Rose Bowl. I go right back to the airport, and I get on a plane to head right back to Columbus. I was there all day Tuesday and came home Wednesday morning. So I say all that to tell you that I had absolutely no minute <laughs> to to get a podcast put together for last week. So I'm very sorry. I hated to miss it. Travis and I uh, tried six ways to Sunday to figure out how to shoehorn one into the schedule, but it just wasn't happening. Way to go, High State. Yeah, come on, Bucks. 
So I know that I talk to you guys all the time about Dollar Shave Club on the Marty Smith America podcast. And I want to explain to y'all how they saved me in Columbus when Urban retired. So this is not, I am not making this up. I get to the Columbus John Glenn International Airport at whatever time in the morning. And I looked, my beard was haggard. It was, it was a little bit unfortunate how wily that thing was. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I was going to be going straight to the press conference. And truth told, I walked into the Fawcett Center at Ohio State University. I dropped my backpack, and I was thrown a microphone, and I was on television as I was walking in the door. There was no, like, there wasn't time. But before that, I got off the plane. I'm walking through the Columbus airport. I'm like, man, I got to do something about this. And I threw my stuff in my bag. I, I like, I didn't know what I had. Unbelievable. I have one of those Dollar Shave Club travel kits that I talk to y'all about all the time in my bag. And I pull it out and it's, uh, there's a razor in there. There's body wash, all those things and hair stuff. And so I go to the bathroom at the John Glenn International Airport, and I bust this thing out. I'm in full suit, and I'm kind of like trimming up my beard. And I just started laughing because I was like, I am the commercial. I am the commercial right now. And it's funny, but it's the truth, man. This stuff, it's it's first of all, it's great stuff. And that little kit had everything that I needed in that moment to look something that resembled presentable for the United States of America. I mean, this is a huge day. Everybody's watching when you are in front of a camera right before one of the greatest college football coaches, one of the greatest football coaches of all time is walking out to announce his retirement. And I just thought it was so funny that I tell you guys about this all the time, and here it is. It saved my butt. So... Uh, that's your Dollar Shave Club endorsement for today. And you guys can get it too. Look, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need. They also have a new program where they automatically keep you stocked with products you use every day. You determine what you want, when you want it, and it shows up right at your door, whether that's once a month or once every six months. And with their handsome discount, the more you buy, the more you save. Right now, they got a bunch of starter sets. You can try them for just five bucks like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships regular-sized products at a regular price. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter set for just 5 bucks right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. So thank you, Dollar Shave Club, for saving my face as I went blowing into the Urban Meyer Retirement Press Conference like a tornado. It's funny to me. Uh, speaking of funny to me, and as you regular listeners know, uh, on the Marty Smith America podcast and on Marty and McGee, we love nothing more than redneck headlines. We love nothing more than when our people end up on the news. And today is one of those days. Travis, roll it. Words, sayings, or just a way of life. Roman candles. That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. 
a man was arrested on Wednesday for allegedly yelling at customers in Walmart while drunkenly riding a motorized <laughs> handicapped scooter. According to the report from the Lexington Herald-Leader, police found this man, 28-year-old Matthew Carball, being very loud at the Elizabethtown Walmart. Customers reported the man flipping people the middle finger and calling them names <laughs> while on the scooter. That's according to his arrest citation. Carball had a blood alcohol level of .191 when tested Whoa. on Wednesday. Whoa. He was charged with disorderly conduct and operating a non-motor vehicle while under the influence. He was taken to the Hardin County Detention Center. A non-motor vehicle? I thought he said it was a scooter. He's not lucky. He could have got he a got DUI. Lucky. He didn't get a DUI in the Walmart. That would have been the most redneck thing of all time to get a DUI inside the Walmart on a handicapped scooter. What do we think he was drinking? Man, if he got to point one nine, that is what the report said, right? Point one nine. Yes. Yo, my man was getting it. I'm thinking something clear. He's down in Kentucky, Probably. so it's not that hard to go get some moonshine, maybe. Yeah, I bet he was on that old apple pie, that old apple pie shine, maybe some lemon drop. You never know. But, uh, Matthew Carball, Matthew Carball got on the hover round and, uh, he started flipping people the bird. He started telling his, his, uh, buddies that they were number one and they didn't appreciate that very much. What, what would you do if you're at the grocery store and you just see someone cruising along just drunk flipping you the bird? Well, if he was yelling at me, I'd probably yell back. Uh, I might grab an apple and just chuck it right at him. Make him fall off that hover round. You never know. But it sounded like, look, man, th let this be a PSA for y'all listening. If you had, if you've had a couple, don't get on motorized vehicles. So there was a time when, uh, we were over at a friend of mine's house and we'll leave that friend unnamed and he had these motorized bar stools. They were bar stools that had go-kart tires on them and they were extremely like the, the CG, the um, center of gravity of these things, is uh, it's not conducive to quick, sharp turns. And we would had a couple, and we got to racing those bar stools, and one of us, who will re remain unnamed, went ass over tea kettle down the side of a hill. And it's funny to think about, but it's not funny to think about what could have been. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here's the point. Uh, if you're going to toss a couple back, don't steal the hover around over to Wally World. We have an update too. I was I found another article where he was missing a shoe and said he walked uh, to Walmart from the Olive Garden where he ha where he said he had two drinks. Two drinks at the Olive Garden. They must have been potent drinks. I wonder what those were. Uh, Octane ninety three. Olive Garden. That's I guess where you go to get after it these days. Man, no doubt. I thought I thought you went over to the I thought you went over to the to the bar. He said no. I'm going to the Olive Garden. I wonder what they got in there. He's a classy one. Yeah, well, hey, Olive Garden is pretty classy. So the moral of the story, kids, is if you go to the Olive Garden, uh, tread lightly. And if you go to the Olive Garden and you have not treaded lightly, then don't go to the Wally World. And if you do end up at the Wally World, stay away from the hover rounds. I wonder how fast those things go. I mean, he was probably just creeping, right? He's probably just creeping by the produce counter. He was just taking a look at maybe you know maybe he's looking at the, the stuff, the selection of alcohol that they had there at the Walmart. Do they have alcohol at Walmart? Uh, depending on the state, I beer. know. I lived in Indiana and they had a uh, actual liquor. What? Yeah, depending on the state, I, you can get liquor at actual grocery stores. 
Well, I didn't know that. I know that. Uh, I know at Wally World, you there's beer and wine. I didn't know that, but I didn't know you could like get Jack at the Walmart. Um, that, that's definitely probably what aisle he was heading to. You think he was rolling by the flower display? He's going to need some flowers. What, yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to do that. He doesn't even have to go to Wally World. All he has to do is go to one eight hundred flowers dot com. You know Christmas is right around the corner when 1-800-Flowers.com releases their one-of-a-kind, best-selling holiday arrangement, the Holiday Flower Tree. Whether you're short on time or searching for the perfect present, or you're looking to brighten up the home of a friend or loved one, 1-800-Flowers has the perfect arrangement and deal for you. Right now, when you order the beautifully handcrafted Holiday Flower Tree, you get 20% off. That's hand-designed 1-800-Flowers Holiday Flower Tree. 20% off. The Holiday Flower Tree is elegantly hand-designed with fragrant greenery, roses, mini carnations, and a merry red bow on top, making it truly a -a one-of-a-kind gift. The Holiday Flower Tree from 1-800-Flowers is available for same-day delivery. 20% off the gorgeous 1-800-Flowers Holiday Flower Tree is an amazing offer, but you have to hurry. Offer ends Friday. To get the gorgeous holiday flower tree for 20% off, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter the code MARTY. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code MARTY. Hurry! The offer ends Friday. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. It's one of the great pleasures of our lives to get to do this. Thank you to Tucker for his time. He's super busy with this brand new album out. He's all over the place. Thanks so much to Travis for... All the hard work he does to make this thing sing. Thank you to Louise for being crazy enough to let us do it. Thanks so much to you guys, your investment in this podcast and the kind things you say to me all over the place. It just really means so much. Um, I love to get your feedback and hear your thoughts, not only in person, but at, at the Twitter machine. I'm at Marty Smith ESPN. Travis is at Travis Rockhold. And we love to hear what you guys think about it. So hit us up. Also, subscribe, rate, and review to the Marty Smith America podcast. It seems trivial, but it matters to the sustenance and whatnot of this property. So uh, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And lastly, I just want to, as I always do, I want to thank our military, our men and women in uniform, domestically and all over the world. We're free for a reason. And they are the reason. If you see, if you see someone in a hat that professes their service, whatever branch, just walk over and say thanks because the sacrifice that they make, we just, I mean, it's amazing. We just don't even consider it. We just move and go and do and be in our daily lives and we're concerned about our own issues and that's human. That's being a human being. But if you're walking through the grocery store and you see a, a gentleman wearing a Vietnam veteran hat, walk over and tell him thank you because he deserves that. At at minimum, he deserves that. So thank you, guys. I appreciate your time, and we'll see you next time around. This is the Marty Smith's America podcast. See you.